So, um, we are heading into our second session. And um, as Daniel has given us um, a big picture of how God, the Holy Spirit, has worked through Scripture, through the Old Testament into the New, so that we have, as he wonderfully put it, a big picture of God, a big picture of the Holy Spirit. What we're going to be looking at now is Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, and how when the Holy Spirit came, he completely transformed what the church looked like. So um, if you've got a Bible, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. We're going to start from verse 1. And where are my wonderful readers? Let me call you up now because we're about to start. But previously on the book of Acts, um, in Acts chapter 1, we have seen the risen Lord Jesus speaking with his disciples, this small group of disciples. And he says, wait here for the promise of God. And then in Acts 2, after Jesus raises, uh, ascends to the Father's side, um, Acts 2, we see the Holy Spirit poured out on the people of God. Many thousands are saved into the church. And now we find ourselves in Acts chapter 3. What happens next? The Spirit's been poured out. Uh, Jesus has called his people to be witnesses to him. We're going to look at that together. But now what happens next? So Liz is very wonderfully going to read with um, a, a band of merry characters. So um, let's, let's see if we read the right things in the right order. But um, why don't we welcome our wonderful actors and narrator to the stage. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognised him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power, piety, we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, 
But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet, like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days, You are the sons of the prophets and the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first, to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. And as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came out to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem, and Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John and Alexander, and all who were the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved." Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognised that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, 
Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and earth, the sea, everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, the servant, said to the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The king of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in the city they were gathered together against the holy servant Jesus, who you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever you plan has had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak the word with all blondness while the strict out your hand to heal and signs and wonders and performed through the name of holy servant Jesus and when they had prayed the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the holy spirit and continued to speak the word of god with boldness wasn't that just brilliant Fantastic. Um, Thank you so much, readers. Thank you for bringing that to life uh, for us. Okay, we're in tables for a reason. You have 30 seconds with one or two people next to you. What is a witness? I need answers. What is a witness? 30 seconds, go. What is a witness? Let's hear from someone on the left, my left. Shout out, what's a witness? Someone who sees something? Okay, great. Uh, What else in the middle? What, what were you talking about? Seeing something? Okay, seeing something. Anything else? Fe- feeling something? Okay. Have, did anybody discuss examples of what, where, witness, where would you see a witness? Yeah, in 30 seconds, Catherine. I expect much from you. Uh, Tola, what do you think? Okay, so in, in court. Oh, okay, yeah. So in court, you can have a witness and you can have an expert witness. Okay, that, that, yeah, there are two types of witness, both... In a court. Anything else over here? This is a, an esteemed table with many people on. Did you think of anything? Okay, so someone who sees something tells others about it. Where else do we have witnesses? At the back. Yes, yeah, so when you sign a legal document. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marriage. Yeah, Je- Jess and Jan, we did that the other day, didn't we? <laughs> you had to have witnesses signing your uh, marriage certificate to say, no, we saw it happen, it was all legit. Okay, so we've given a few examples of witnesses of being present in the moment. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, Algia. Ah, so that's a brilliant point, Algia. So a witness, if they just see something but then don't tell anyone about it or say anything about it, they're not a very good witness. You've got to see something or experience it and report it. You've got to tell it. So that's brilliant. Well done, everyone. You can give yourself a pat on... Oh, we've got more answers. Hillary. Yeah, so if there's no witness, people don't know something happened. So that's great. So we use the word witness in our everyday life. Maybe not every day, but, you know, it's quite a common word in a courtroom, in legal documents, um, in a few other places. And a witness, as wonderfully described Peter, it's a very good definition. Someone who, I can't remember word for word, but someone who, who, who saw what happened and reports it, Repo- reports what happened um, accurately. This is what I saw, this is what I experienced, this is what happened, and I'm going to tell you about it. 
So we just heard a wonderful story. We read a big chunk of scripture. I think that's a good thing worth doing. Um, But we heard uh, Acts chapter 3 in the first half of Acts chapter 4. And uh, that is a story right at the beginning parts of the early church. But what I said happened just in a few chapters before. Uh, Jesus, who had risen from the dead, commissioned his people. And in Acts uh, chapter 1, So the first chapter of Acts, in verse 8, he tells his disciples this. So these are his parting words in the book of Acts before he ascends to the Father. He says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus' parting words to his people, to this early church, are, you are going to be my witnesses. And we'll come back to this, but the Holy Spirit is going to be an important part of it. Okay? So we see those things. So we, the church, are called in, in that line to be witnesses to Jesus. We are the ones who, um, as Jesus' followers, who say, no, I know Jesus died and rose again. And also, I can tell you what he's done in my life in the life of others. I've seen it, I've experienced it for myself, and I can tell you about it. Jesus is at work today. We are called to be the people who can say, you know that Jesus is true. What they say about him is true. So we're called to be witnesses to Jesus. Here's an interesting question. How does that make you feel? Sometimes when I think about the word witness, oh, you know, if we're honest, we've probably... Uh, If you've been in church more than a week, you've probably been in a talk that talks about being witnesses for Jesus. And some of you are like, oh, no, I just want to curl up in a ball. I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to come out of my my shell. Witnessing can make us feel a few different things. So I've got a very important question for you. Okay, what one piece of housework can you not stand doing? 30 seconds. Go. Okay, what what have people got? Let's start from the front. Let's start from the front. What? What? Okay, so laundry, never-ending piles of laundry. School. I'm not sure school counts as housework. <laughs> You're just like, I don't want to do it. Okay, very good. Dishwasher. That's a good, I like the dishwasher. You get to stack it all in neat lines, no? Okay. Who's the kind of person who makes sure everything in the dishwasher is lined up in the right way? Yes. Yeah, good. The more blessed among us. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> um, what, what jobs over here can people not stand? We've got some ironing, vacuuming. Anyone else? Vacuuming the stairs. If, if some of you have stairs to vacuum, that's not good. Angela? Oh, to what, tidying up your bedroom? Oh, hoovering and dusting the bedroom. Okay, you don't like that. Uh, anyone at the back? What are the things, Dave? The futility room. Excellent. Do, do, do you know what I absolutely hate? Cleaning the oven? I don't do it often. Isn't that awful? Do you want to come to my house, Jess, and clean my oven? <laughs> it's a secret. I think it's probably because I don't clean the oven much that it's bad. So that's probably why, isn't it? I hate cleaning the oven. You, uh, well, I don't know how... Um, yeah, Etty makes a lot of mess too, so cleaning carpets isn't a particularly fun job. But anyway, I won't go into that. Um, do we... Oh, that's so gross. Um, I love you, <laughs> Esther. Um, 
Here's a question, do we want to be witnesses? Sometimes we think about witnessing for Jesus and half of us are really excited and the other half of us think that is worse than having to clean the oven. Some of you think that sounds scary. I wouldn't know what to do. Some of you would think, look, witnessing for Jesus, but I don't know how to answer the difficult questions that people bring. Others think, look, I'm good at other stuff in church. Can't I stick to that? I don't want to do the witnessing thing because I quite like these other things. Some of you will be thinking, I don't have time. I'm a bit, it's just really hard to fit that in. You're telling me all these things we have to do as Christians. I can't fit that in. And some of you would be thinking, who am I? to tell others about Jesus. Have you looked at my life? Who am I to do that? So we think lots of different things when we think about being a witness for Jesus. And for some of us, maybe even many of us, it can feel like something we'd rather not do. Please, could that just be for the keen Christians, the super Christians in the church? You know, maybe that it can be reserved for them. But witnessing for Jesus is something that I really believe we're all called to. It's one of the little slogans uh, of Relational Mission, a wonderful thing that um, uh, Mike Betts, one of the leaders of Relational Mission, uh, if you, you don't know him, really lovely guy who, who uh, talks about everyone a witness. It's one of the things we th- have been thinking about lots over the years. And that's one, a really important call that as a church family, we're all witnesses to Jesus. I really do believe it's something we're all called to and something we can all be. But I think we have to have the right motivation behind it to not dread it. Some of you will love it, and that's great. Praise God for that, right? Praise God for the people who like to clean the oven, Jess. (laughs) And some of you will be so excited, and we'll get there in a second. But I think if we know why it's important to witness, it will help us all. It helps me. Because if you don't want to witness, and you do it just because you should, or even because Luke told you to, we're not going to get very far, are we? We're not going to have a good time either. (laughs) It's going to be miserable. If you do something, or... I do it because I have to. If that's our attitude to Christianity, we're not going to get far. Daniel used a great uh, expression in his prayer. Christianity isn't about do, 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 do. It's about done. It's about what Jesus has done. And so what's the key? Well, I think we look at the early church. I don't think they asked the question, is this our job or not? I think Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. And they had spent time with Jesus. And they thought, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Because it's Jesus, and he has turned my life upside down. And it's because of that that I want to tell others. If you know the goodness of Jesus, if you know the sweetness of the gospel, if you know how Jesus has changed your life, that is the foundation of being able to tell others about Jesus. That is the foundation. We must begin by believing the good news ourselves. That's really important to know. For those of you who are um, earlier in your journey of faith, maybe some of you uh, you guys who are younger in the room as you're maybe exploring some of this for yourself, if you think that the stuff we read in the Bible is about, oh, jobs you have to do, actually you're going to think that this stuff is boring or it's annoying. It's just another chore. But if you meet with Jesus yourself and start to get to know him and start to realize how he changes your life from the inside out by the Spirit, you'll start to say, oh, Maybe it does make sense to want to tell others about Jesus. Peter and John, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and witness. That's where we're going uh, in a second. Um, Did you notice uh, Peter and John, all they had to offer was Jesus? I love this story. 
So they're, they're going to the temple. That's where they were going to worship. They didn't really know anything else to do, but we worship God. And they meet a man. Who, who knows what the phrase, sorry, I chose the translation of the Bible, uh, giving alms. Does anybody know what that means? We'll translate it. What does it mean? Yeah, giving money. It's often giving money to the poor or giving money to charity. So there was someone who was, um, who, uh, was physically disabled and uh, in that culture, that meant they couldn't get a job and they couldn't earn money. And so someone carried them each day to a place they could beg. That's what was happening here. And Peter and John walked past him and this guy says, can I have some money? And Peter and John are not rich guys, okay? And they say, actually, we don't have money. But they don't stop and walk on there. They say, we've got something better in the name of Jesus stand and walk. And so Peter and John offer Jesus to him. Now you might be saying, no, 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 they gave him physical healing, and they did. But you know, signs always point somewhere. Wonders lift our eyes to something. And Peter and John knew that they didn't have a power to offer, they had a person to offer. They say that a few verses um, later, actually. They say that in uh, chapter 3, verse 12. They say, and when Peter saw it, he addressed him and said, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at us? They were staring at Peter. Why do you wonder at us and stare at us as though by our own power or piety, this man was healed? We have made him walk. He says, why are you looking at me and thinking that I healed him because I'm the superman or because I'm super holy? No, 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 Jesus did it. That's what he says in verse 16. He says, by his name. And so what they have to offer this man, yes, is physical healing. And that's a miracle. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on too. Raising our expectations of what God will do when we step out in faith for him. But they weren't offering something. They were offering someone, weren't they? I didn't, I didn't heal him. Jesus did. Jesus did. They were dragged in front of the council. The religious leaders who hated what Jesus did and hated what Peter and John was doing. And he says to them, are you asking me who did a good thing? to a man who lived his life with physical disability, 40 years, unable to work, shunned from society. Are you asking me who did that? Well, I can tell you easily. It's Jesus Christ. And he tells them the gospel. Peter and John are something better than money. They're Jesus. They're something better to offer. Yes, they gave him physical health, but then there was so much more. Do you notice that everyone gathers around to stare at the miracle? And what does Peter do? He says, let me tell you about Jesus. He says, do you know the one who died? Yes, actually, you, you, you gave him up to die. And then he rose from the dead. So what do you need to do? You need to repent. You need to repent for the forgiveness of your sins. And so he tells him what happened about Jesus, the man he had walked with for the last three plus years. He said, this is the Jesus that has healed the man. And because you have seen the sign and you're, you're wondering, what is this amazing thing that's happened? Repent. That's, that's the only fitting response to what God has done. Jesus is the great gift, the only gift that we have to offer. Signs point somewhere. Wonders lift our eyes to something, and it's Jesus they point to. As Peter ends his wonderful um, uh, speech to the council, the religious leaders in chapter 4 who hated him, who is my council reader? Who is reading the council? Was that Wilbur? Wilbur, you're a brilliant council, very mean, very scary. As we read those words... Peter speaks very boldly and he ends it by saying in chapter 4 verse 12, there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus, the one who died and rose again, is the only name that we can be saved by. If you know that, that's the foundation of witness. If you know that deep in your heart, 
the joy of how he has changed you, how he has saved you. That's the foundation of witness. 30 seconds in your groups. When have you most felt out of your depth? Go. Okay. When have we most felt out of our depth? We've, we've had shouts of being a parent from the front, from Janet Jess. And what else on the left? Where have we felt most out of our depth? A, jo- a job interview. Okay, a job interview where someone asks you a question you don't even understand. Gosh, it's not a good feeling. What were you guys saying at the front? When you're playing football and don't know how to kick a ball. That does sound bad. <laughs> yeah, that, that, you would be out of your depth there. Uh, over here at the back, when have you felt out of depth? Leading a life group. Good honesty, Lynn. My, um, the first... Beth and I came to Life Church last January. My first life group leaders were Lynn and Toddy, and it was an awesome time. So you may have felt out of your depth, but you blessed Beth and me. Um, I, sat, I sat there very quietly, and Toddy thought this was like, at any moment I would stand and say, Thus saith the Lord, and <laughs> I don't know, pronounce something. I don't know. I, just, I was just quiet. Um, anyone at the back? Uh, what things? When have you felt most out of your depth? When you fell in the canal. Okay, there you go. That, actually, that, that is fair. That's more than just the deep end of a swimming pool. That sounds quite terrifying. Uh, was that recently? Oh my goodness, Jenny. That sounds terrifying. Um, anyone over here? When, when, when have you felt out of your depth? Okay. <gasps> Leaving home. More than that, moving overseas. Yeah, goodness. Audrey, you were waving at me. What, when have you felt out of your depth? Oh, okay, so just trying to follow English when you were first in the UK. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so both of those examples, being dropped in a new country, a new language. Goodness, yeah, that would uh, feel very out of your depth. Heather? Parenting teenagers? Parenting teenagers. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'm not there yet, but as a youth look, Worker looking on for many years. Bless you. Doddy. Yeah, okay. So, so working, working with teens who had a lot going on in their lives, a lot of issues that you were supporting them through, yeah. Um, uh, I was going to say, um, when Esther was born, uh, half an hour after the midwife, or maybe an hour after, she was in a little incubator and they check their, they check, they count how many fingers and toes the baby has. That's interesting, I didn't know that. Um, and, um, <laughs> tick. Um, and, uh, and they, the midwife said to me, you should probably get her dressed. And I thought, why are you telling me that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. And then I had to pick her up because Beth was, you know, she was, she was out. And I, yeah, terrifying. The other time I felt out of my depth was when I was about nine, 18 maybe, um, I forgot I was leading worship at a cafe church we were doing. I'm sure I've told this story before. And there was no guitar in the building. So I led worship on piano. I don't play the piano. <laughs> but it was great. <laughs> I would love to say the anointing flowed and like just in the spirit I could play piano, but I can't. So it was light of the world you stepped. Uh, yeah. You know, there's grace for these things. Do you know something? You do not have to be an impressive person to witness for Jesus. 
You don't have to be an impressive person to witness to Jesus. Don't you love the backhanded compliment of the religious leaders in chapter 4, verse 13? That Peter and John have been speaking. They've been hauled up in front of the religious leaders. Um, they're, they're angry at them. Um, but Peter boldly declares the gospel. And then they're sent out so the religious leaders can work out what to do. And this is the backhanded compliment. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. If you are an uneducated common person, then you are in the same boat as two of the 12. Do you know what I'm saying? You do not have to be an impressive person to be a witness for Jesus. Do you know what you need to be? With Jesus. You need to be with with Jesus. So that's what they said. They said they recognized that they had been with Jesus. If you know Jesus, if he has changed your life, You can be a witness for him. You do not have to be an impressive person. Because remember, you don't save people. I don't save people. Jesus saves people. That's what we saw. I skipped on earlier. Sorry, Marion. But um, in, in Acts 3, verse 12, we read that a second ago. Peter said, why are you staring at me as if I healed the man? As if it was my power or piety. It was Jesus and no other name. Well, can, you know, it, it was by his name, faith in his name, that he was healed. And then he goes on to proclaim Jesus. You don't have to be a special court to do a special course or have a special qualification to be a witness to Jesus. You have to know him and you have to step out in obedience. That's it. Now, you might say, well, that's terrifying. But it is for some of us. But that's all it is. We have to know him and we have to step out because we're witnesses, not salespeople, aren't we? We're not door-to-door salespeople, where we're having to convince people. Have you ever done that? I feel like when I was, um, Beth and I were doing the youth work in Cambridge, it was the yearly kind of cycle of um, people coming through the church and thought it's time for a couple of new youth leaders. And they're like, what's the best tactic here? Okay, we'll just drop into conversation, find out their favorite food, invite them around to dinner, coincidentally make their favorite foods, and then... At the right point of the evening, have you considered youth work in the church? You know, you've got to be a salesperson. When you witness for Jesus, you're a witness. You're not a salesperson. You don't have to, you don't have to do it. Jesus does it. We just have to be obedient. Brilliant. And so, we think that's the end of the story. You've just got to know Jesus and step out of faith. Boom, done, move on. But it's not. I think one of the most profound things when you read the book of Acts is Jesus says something in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. He says to his disciples, wait. His disciples had walked with him for many years. They had physically seen him. They had physically walked with him. They had seen the miracles he'd done. They would seen the things he'd said. They would heard the things they said. Their own lives had been totally transformed by this man. And then they had seen him be crucified, and yet they were then speaking with him, risen from the dead. You'd think that's enough, wouldn't you? You'd think that's it. Go do what Jesus has told you to do. Jesus says, you are going to be my witnesses, but wait. That's what he says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. And while staying with them, Jesus staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus said to his disciples who had seen him, not just seen him, but seen him rise from the dead, wait for the Holy Spirit 
to fill you. You see, a knowledge in our heads of what Jesus has done is not enough. You might believe it entirely, but we need God's help. And you know, the great thing about needing God's help, he loves to give it. He loves to give it. Because if we try and do stuff on our own, in our own strength, we will be desperately frustrated and we will fail because we're out of our depth. We just are out of our depth, but the Spirit changes us. Peter, I love, I love, I love Peter. <laughs> it's so good. Peter at the end of the Gospels is the dude who says to Jesus, Jesus, I will go with you to death, doesn't he? Do you know that story? Jesus, Peter says to Jesus, I will go with you to death. Uh, next scene later, if it's like a movie, it's the next scene. And you see Peter, uh, Jesus is being taken to his execution in the trial. And Peter's there sitting around a campfire chatting with a few people. And they said, do you know Jesus? And he says, I've, I've actually never met him. I don't know what you're talking about. That same Peter, who when it, it says it was like a servant girl, a young woman said to him, do you know Jesus? And he was too scared to say yes. That Peter is the one who's standing in front of the religious leaders proclaiming the gospel because the Holy Spirit changes us. Knowing it here is brilliant, praise God. But the Spirit changes our hearts. The Spirit gives us the boldness to step out in faith. We need the Holy Spirit to be witnesses for Jesus. And the main reason is because when God is with us in power, he gives us the boldness to proclaim what he has done. Um, I, I'm not going to ask this as a question, um, but uh, my brother-in-law, Stagdu, um, we did, I don't know what it's called, but you walk along a river and you have to jump in. Has anyone done that? You jump in at higher and higher points. Andy, I'm sure you've done that. <laughs> um, and so you keep walking along the river and there's a little bit, there was a guide, so hopefully it was safe. And they say, okay, this is about like one foot off the ground. Now this is six foot off the ground. The last one they told me was as big as a double-decker bus. Uh, and you have to jump in the river. It's deep enough, it's safe, but you, you do it. And I was with about 15 20-something lads who I didn't know. They were all older than me. It was Beth's brother. And you don't want to be the little brother-in-law and the stag dude that's embarrassing himself, do you? You don't want to be that guy that's like, oh no, all the older boys are doing it and I'm scared. But I stood at the top of the double-decker bus jump into the river and they were all running past me. They were pushing me out of the way and jumping in. And I looked, I thought, I cannot do that. I was faced with a challenge and I thought, I cannot do that. I just couldn't. Now, eventually I did. This isn't the moral of the story, actually. So just pause the moral of the story button in your head. Um, I did it because there was someone more scared than me. And I thought, if I didn't do it before him, they'll all laugh at me, not him. So I jumped first. But <laughs> that's not the moral of the story, okay? Don't write that down. Don't write that down. Um, but when we are faced with something that just seems, uh, it's just too hard to do, we're overcome with fear, we're overcome with dread, and we think, I, I can't do it. Sometimes we feel like that with, what does it mean to, to tell others about Jesus? What does it mean to show them with maybe the words I say? Maybe just mention that I, yeah, I'm a Christian to a colleague. Maybe bringing up a conversation with, with a family member about what you believe and why, why you believe it. Maybe um, feeling God prompting you something while you're walking about in town and saying, Lord, I want to be open to you, but then, oh, do you know what? Actually, I've changed my mind. I, I'm not sure I can step out and speak to that person. We can be filled with dread of the task in front of us, filled with fear of those things. We need boldness to witness in the world. And that's particularly true if, if it's true that being a witness for Jesus needs to be brought back to the top of our priorities, which I believe it, it does need to be as a church, 
uh, for us. I believe it does. If it's true that it has to be reprioritized by us, it's also true that witnessing isn't easy. The most bold witnesses, Peter and John in this story, faced huge amounts of opposition, didn't they? We have to come to terms with the reality that when we share Jesus with the world, we are lights in a world that actually quite likes the cover of darkness. That's things that they would rather the gospel didn't expose. And so we have to come to terms with the reality, actually, whether or not we find it scary in ourselves to step out in faith, even if we're the most bold person in the world, is hard. We need boldness. But that is exactly what the Spirit gives And I love it because he doesn't, the spirit doesn't give boldness in some abstract sense. I'll make you um, two inches taller and you'll feel bold. No, God doesn't do that. God says, I will be with you. The Holy Spirit is God himself. That's what Daniel shared with us. The Holy Spirit is God with us. And so how does he make us bold? He comes and is with us. Acts um, chapter 1 verse 4 and 5 again he said to them and while staying with them he ordered them do not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the father which he said you have heard from me for John baptized with water but you'll be baptized with the spirit not many days from now Um, this is the prayer at the end of Acts 4 or the middle of Acts 4 this is what we're going to look at now this is what we're going to pray about now Um, at the end of Acts 4 Peter and John have come out they've been persecuted they've been told you've got to be quiet you can't tell people about Jesus anymore that's what the religious leaders said to them you've got to be quiet now and they would probably use harsher words than that Um, and Peter and John the first thing they do they go to their friends that's a lovely phrase isn't it they go to their friends it says and they pray together and this is what they pray and now Lord look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus opposition came that's what they experienced and for them giving up was not an option because they'd seen Jesus and when you've seen Jesus giving up is not an option That's why we've got to know him ourselves before we try and go tell anyone else. Because giving up to them wasn't an option. So what did they do? They said, well, we've got to pray. We've got to ask for God's help. And God did help. And so my friends, we're going to pray now. In just a moment, we're going to pray. We're going to hear a couple of testimonies first, but then we're going to pray. Because we need God's help. Because yes, we need to have the drive. We need to have the desire. We need to have the passion to say, Jesus is so good that we want to share him. The good news is so good to me that that's worth sharing. Something I desperately want to grow in myself. I want to have that. Yes, actually, I need to share this with others. But with the passion, which is great, but also the reality of the opposition that will come, we need to cry out to God for help. Lord, help us. Lord, be with us. Firstly, to give us boldness. Boldness to step out and take chances. Boldness to fail. Boldness to do what you think God is saying and think, that was a bit embarrassing, but I did it. Boldness to try again. Boldness to say, I want to see it more. We need to have boldness from God. But secondly, when we step out, we need to say, God, yes, give us the boldness because your spirit is with us, but also accompany us with power. So that when I share something with my stutters, and my splutters, and my kind of incomprehensible, yes, sir, I church the Jesus Christian. Um, do you want to know? 
And we say these things to people because we want to be obedient. We say, Lord, you must speak to hearts. You've got to open doors. Lord, when my friend tells me actually their back has been out for, for the last week, and I, and I think, do you know what? I'm going to pray that in Jesus' name they're healed. Lord, heal them. That it might point to Christ. Lord, when uh, I, uh, I feel a prompting from you that says, actually, there's someone who I want you to step out and speak to. Lord, speak to me that I might hear that. Give me boldness to step out. We need to say, God, help us and accompany in power. Go before us that as we step out in the little obedience we have, just in the little act of faith that we have, that you be the one who is changing people's hearts and breaking into lives. Is that our prayer? Is our prayer the same as they prayed in Acts chapter 4? Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. That's my prayer. That's something I've got to pray more. But it's my prayer. And how did God respond? And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Daniel gave a little, um, a, a, a silly little point that the Holy Spirit isn't here to make worship leaders a little bit better, to make us enjoy up-tempo songs a little bit more. God comes to us that we might live out what God has called us to. God comes to us for many reasons. And we'll look at that in our Holy Spirit series over the next few months. But one of the central reasons the book of Acts says is that we might go out and be witnesses for him. God with us, that we might see him act through us. God does not give us a strategy, particularly. He doesn't give us specific tools. He gives us himself by the Holy Spirit with us. So it's time to pray. It's time to pray like that. So we're going to pray, and we're going to pray on our tables for five or ten minutes. But before that, I wanted to, um, Joe and Gary have very kindly, um, Phil um, B, <laughs> Phil Boyer was also going to share, um, but I don't think the car has quite rolled from Peterborough to um, Sheringham yet. Um, come up, Joe, come up, Gary. And um, it's good to hear testimony, because otherwise it's sometimes like, oh, it's in the Bible, but uh, maybe it's not real. Maybe it doesn't happen anymore. Um, but these two and many others, many of you will have stories um, I know have been praying prayers not dissimilar to this and seen God at work. Gary, do you want to share first? Uh, so yes, I definitely had a desire to be a witness and to share uh, what I was learning to my family. And I don't know if you all know, but um, I'm the only Christian in all my family. So that's good because I had many people to share it with. Um, but for me, they didn't really want to hear it. Um, we never really spoke about Christianity or any kind of religions. Um, it has a very negative view. Um, most of my family kind of hated religion. Um, so it was really hard for me, and I knew obviously I couldn't do this alone. So of course I just constantly prayed um, over and over again. It wasn't a, a big prayer, it was just a very short one, just to say, let me share little bits, or at least just accept uh, me and this new way of my life, because it was very strange for them, if you can imagine, because we knew nothing about religion. Um, but he answered my prayer and some. Uh, I'm at the stage now where I get to talk to my family about what I'm doing, a life church and life groups. Um, but not only that, it's like he's not only answer my prayer, but he's given us so much more as well. Uh, they are the ones opening conversations about religion. And uh, to step it even further as well, um, I took my mum to church, amazing. And then on a separate occasion, I took my mum and my dad to church. Um, and if I told any one of my families that um, my dad went to church, they wouldn't believe me. I'd be happy if he sat outside in the car. That would be huge for him. 
Um, but no, he really delivered and um, he came inside. And not only that, they actually enjoyed church, believe it or not, crazy. Um, and they had such positive things to say. But not only that, they actually shared all these positive things with my friends and family as well. It's just incredible. It's, yeah, um, all these things just seem so impossible. Um, I guess God has really told me to destroy that word. Um, everything with him is possible, and I'm really seeing that. And that's just where I am at now. So I'm really excited and eager to kind of see what he has planned for me now and my family, the ones I love. So, yeah, I can't wait. Brilliant. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? Um, and I was so pleased you shared that, Gary. Uh, you, you've been following Jesus for just over a year, haven't you? Um, he broke into your life, um, saved you, and you've been faithfully looking for any tiny opportunity to talk about Jesus while faithfully saying, God, you've got to open the doors. God, you've got to accompany me in power because that took a miracle. And you've so beautifully shared that testimony with me as it progressed over the years and is still progressing what a wonderful example. This is what it is. The little step of faith and obedience to say, Lord, I'll just I'll have the conversations. But I'm also praying, Lord, you've got to do something bigger than I can do by myself. Wonderful. Jo, do you want to share? Hi, everybody. So, um, so I try and live this as a lifestyle of just sharing, stepping out and taking opportunities for the Holy Spirit to pray for people and just to speak about Jesus. And I can tell you that every single time I do it, I feel out of my depth and scared <laughs> every time. But every time is the most exciting thing. And I've seen so many incredible things happen. And um, yeah, it just inspires me and encourages me to keep going because it's just the most exciting way to live. So I'm just going to tell you, I was going to tell you a different story, but I'm going to tell you about Betty. So um, about a year ago, I was um, at the beach with my dad on his birthday and I took him into a coffee shop and um, I don't know what it is when people get over the age of 80, but they love to tell you how old they are. So um, it's kind of like a childhood thing, stops at about 40 and then starts again at 80 and anyone in between... We don't tell anyone how old we are. But um, my dad was like, guess what? It's my birthday and I'm 82. So um, this lady in the corner of the room, whose name was Betty, well, I'm 88. <laughs> Top trumps. <laughs> so um, I just said to Betty, wow. I said, you look really amazing. I, I want to be like you when I'm 88. Anyway, she pushed a little card onto my table, fished it out of her bag. She was all excited. This is, this is why I look so good. And it was about Buddhism. <laughs> and so anyway, there wasn't an opportunity to talk to Betty at that moment because anybody who knows my dad knows that he would have dominated all the conversation. I wouldn't have got a word in edgeways. So it wasn't possible. Anyway, later on that afternoon, Holy Spirit just opens up doorways. So it was a really, really busy day. We were at Southwold, really busy. Um, all the streets were packed. And we found ourselves in a tiny little lane. And the only people in the lane were us and Betty. <laughs> so I found Betty and I said, hello. I said, do you remember me from the coffee shop? She said, it's a sign. I said, I think so. I said, Betty, what do you think? Well, I gave you that card, didn't I? I gave you the card. And I said, oh, Betty, I need to tell you. I said, um, but I'm a Christian. Show sure, my dear. She said, no, you don't need to follow the religion that you were born into. <laughs> you don't need to do that. You can do something better. 
And I said, Betty, I wasn't born into Christianity. I said, my parents weren't Christians. She said, why are you? <laughs> and I said, well, this is the thing, Betty. I said, I had an encounter with Jesus when I was 16. And I said, and I prayed. And he met me. And the Holy Spirit filled my room. And I knew he was real. And I just knew he was real. And I gave my life to him. And she said, wow, she said, um, she said, you know, you're the only person that could convince me because you've had a real encounter and experience. And she said, what you're saying is your truth. And she said, um, I grew up as in a Jewish home and my mother, she told me that God was always disappointed with me. And I said, Betty, he's not. He absolutely loves you. And he loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die because he loves you. And that's, that's who he is. And, and, and so we left the conversation there, but it was just such an incredible, like, God-given opportunity just to, just to you know, speak to this lady about, about the truth of who Jesus was. Amazing. Amazing. I was going to say, you don't have to be an impressive person, and I don't mean that to be an insult to Gary or Joe. We, we just step out of faith in tiny ways. I, I love it. Um, <laughs> Joe, we probably we spoke before, and you, you have to stop Joe telling you stories of how she wants to just little ways as she stepped out to tell people. I know that's true for a number of you, um, but it's not about because there are big special things that you've learned. It's because, oh, actually, I'm just going to step out and trust Jesus uh, and see what he does. We're going to pray. I know we're running a little late, but what's the point of... What's the point if we don't pray? <laughs> What's the point of just putting it all up here? We've got to say, Lord, we want to see you do this. This is uh, for the sake of the church, capital C, but for us, a life church, for the sake of the church, Lord Jesus, would you? And so in our tables or with the people around you, just going to spend a little bit of time. So if your stomachs are grumbling, um, I don't know what to say. Pray that God supernaturally gives you power to pray for 10 more minutes. Um, and we're going to pray, and we're going to pray. So I would, you have the prayer or the end of the prayer, on your tables, a little printout of it. You also actually have some prophetic words, different ones on different tables, that um, uh, you can look at for the rest of the day, the different people, um, some in the church, some out of the church have given. Um, but through the prayer, particularly the white piece of paper, um, that's the end of Acts chapter 4, 29 to 31. Lord, go with us. Lord, give us boldness. Lord, accompany us. So I'd love to pray for 10 minutes into specific situations that we're facing opportunities with family, opportunities with colleagues, opportunity as a church who's on our doorstep. And let's pray, Lord, would we see doors open? Lord, would we see opportunities? Okay, let's pray. The believers prayed in Acts 4, 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your words with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What is, this is a last group thing, just as we've been praying. What are the situations we're praying for? Let's just, maybe their names, maybe their situations, whatever it is. What are the things we're praying for? Let's just shout them out quickly as we pray together. What are, yep, yep, your daughter, yeah, praise God. Yes, let's just shout them out. Yep, new jobs, yeah.
Yeah, neighbors. Yes. Yeah, brilliant. Breakthrough, yeah. What other situations we're praying for to see Jesus um, meet with people? I know those are my family I am praying for. Yep, children. Yep. Yeah, our colleagues. Yeah, our friends. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, there's a lot of people in our city, aren't there, that need to know Jesus. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants, grant to us. Lord, give us, Life Church, the boldness to speak. Lord Jesus, we pray that as we um, step out in faith in the little things or the big things, Lord, give us the boldness to say, actually, Lord, you're with me, <laughs> and so I can do this, whatever it will look like. Give us a boldness to speak while we trust and raise our expectations that you will stretch out your hand to heal when we ask for healing, to show signs and wonders, to open hearts, to give opportunities, to break into lives, to speak words of knowledge, which completely um, dumbfound people that we give them to, Lord, and, and perform them through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Lord, we pray that, that we might see many, many saved. And we expectantly ask that you would fill us by your Holy Spirit, that we might be equipped to do these things. Lord, we're expecting because you say it. You say it and so we expect it. And so, Lord, would you fill us with your spirit that we might see this over the next weeks in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're going to break, but I'm going to terrify you first. Next Sunday, we don't have a sermon. Don't whoop. I know some of you are whooping. I'll be back soon. No, um, we are going to share testimony, okay? Joe and Gary have given us um, a taste of that. I will prepare one or two to break the ice, but then we're just going to share stuff that God is doing as we step out in faith. And then after that, every Sunday after the sermon, oh no, just before the sermon, so we're all in all ages, we're going to have five minutes to do testimony for the next five or six weeks, okay? Because this isn't a fun filler of a Saturday morning. It's what God has called us to do and he empowers us to do by his Holy Spirit, amen? And so we're going to have that next Sunday, and so I ask you, if that's terrifying, Lord help. <laughs> but I want us to be a people that even if the step of faith was, I got close this week. <laughs> for others of you, you would say, no, actually, no, I, I chatted to my brother on the phone and I was able to pray for him. Or, or this happened with my colleague. Or actually, no, I've just started to be really stirred to pray for this because I've given up on it long ago and I'm praying again. Some of these things... Um, some of these things happen like that. Maybe a stranger you meet and you share a word. Others take the rest of our lives <laughs> where we're praying faithfully. Gary, your story is wonderful. That was over a long, not a lifetime, but over a year of praying, 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 praying. So next Sunday, please be asking, Lord, what are you going to do through my life this week? Yeah, let's raise our expectations. Let's take God at his words. We don't put God to the test, but we do take him at his words. If you say it, you mean it. Brilliant. Amen.